0: This episode's guest is Kevin Mulcahy. Kevin is a passionate and experienced coach who has worked with various sports teams, athletes, professionals and clubs across three continents for over 30 years. He's the owner and operator of Design the Game Project, a platform that shares coaching insights and research to a progressive and learning-led audience. Kevin also runs TMC Performance, a bespoke strength and conditioning and personal training business that caters to the overall health and lifestyle of his clients from athletes to busy professionals through a strength and conditioning for life and sport mindset and programming approach. Kevin has a strong educational background in coaching science, with a bachelor's in science in strength and conditioning from Satanta College, a certificate in nutritional science and coaching from Precision Nutrition, and a certificate in the neuroscience of decision-making from Barcelona Football Club. He has also obtained multiple certifications from organisations like the International Sports Science Association and the Australian Strength and Conditioning Association. Kevin takes an ecological approach to coaching and life in general and has a deep interest in ecological dynamics and the constraints led approach to coaching and motor learning. Kevin delivers coach education and courses in various topics such as decision making, practice design, and youth training. He works with multiple teams and athletes online and offline from Gaelic football to basketball to Aussie rules, helping them achieve their performance goals. Kevin, as a sports and strength and conditioning coach, has in recent times been lucky enough to be part of coaching teams to have won All-Ireland Senior Camogie titles with Cork Camogie, National Super League Basketball title with Ballon Colleague in Basketball, and the Cork Senior A Football Championship with New Chestdown. On this episode, Kevin and I discussed Kevin's background, What were the biggest coaching lessons that Kevin learned in 2023? What has Kevin learned from basketball that he has integrated into coaching Gaelic football? And what is Kevin looking forward to in 2024 professionally? Guys, this was a great discussion with Kevin, and I hope you really enjoy the show. Okay, Kev, it is honestly an absolute pleasure to finally get you on the podcast. I actually, in my head today, I was like, I can't believe we actually haven't done a podcast yet because we've done, we've had so many Zoom calls over about the last, now I know we haven't Zoomed probably in about a year, but say just before that, we must have Zoomed, I'd say four or five occasions. And it was just like absolute brain dumps with everything to do with skill acquisition and sports performance. But so they kind of felt like podcasting themselves because they were like Martin conversations. So it actually yeah. it's, it's brilliant to get you on the podcast. I'm so happy. And uh, I think as well, because like the whole area of like, Tactical periodization, skill acquisition. Me, do just coming off my first year, actually being a physical, sorry, physical, sorry, let's say physical, being an actual like technical tactical coach with a with a hurling team too. It's been very fresh and new and exciting to me. So whenever I get to talk to you, like, because like, this has been your baby in terms of area of research and just passion for so many years. Like, I've learned just so much just from your Twitter page and talking to you. So I'm really excited about today's conversation. So thanks for making time. But for the listeners, Kev, give us the background. Okay,
1: um, I suppose as of now, I am a, an SC coach, would be the bread and butter. Uh, I have an SSC business and I've been stuck in that uh, touching eight years now, properly. Um, but I started the SC degree way back. I was I was actually the first class at that time. Now, I did a year, stopped, and went back to it, right? But uh, Seamus Moynihan, a few lads from the Connaught. Rugby were there at the time. Uh, and it's funny to see how many of that group have gone on and done different things. But I was interested, and I'd done other, I'd done a uh, degree in leisure and rec way back. I'd been into fitness, you know, NCF. I'd taken teams in my own club, or I'd helped adult teams with fitness here and there, and a little bit outside my own club as well. But I was really doing the SSC to be a better hurling football coach. Like, my interest was, I could see, maybe just observing from afar, like, the Nordy teams were always that little bit, and they still are, right, and just in a different way, were that little bit ahead, and and physically they were that bit ahead, and I suppose I was being influenced then by the good football teams that really, Tyrone, and, uh, you know, just reading about them and the effort they were making. So, that's how I ended up that, but I started coaching very young, Uh, between me and my football coach who I, like a lot of country people had the same football coach from the age of seven or eight or whatever it is. Uh, Basically, I even had him as an adult coach, right? So the whole way through and he, between me figuring it out because I actually was, I was quite big. I think I was an early developer now that I know what the stuff I know now. I look back at old photos and I was the third biggest on our under 14 team. And I ended up at five foot nine, you know. So I possibly thought I could have gone somewhere. I was quite skillful, not incredibly fast or anything like that, but I was big and I could hurl, and particularly hurling or hurling the football at that stage. And, you know, and then around 15, 16, when everybody caught up and I realized, you know, I will, and, and then I played against actually Sean Ogles, Sean Oga the Peership team. So we were a small rural club, but we were quite, we were quite good. We were playing Division One in the city. Uh, we were low to into the city league, even though we were a mid-court team, and it was basically a top eight of the whole county because Middleton were lowed in, and Escara ourselves, colleague. and then there was the Glen, the Bars, Black Rock, and the Piershie. And I love telling people that I never lost a hurling game to the Bars, the Glen, or the Rockies. Which is highly unusual, right? Especially coming from Balnora, where I'm from. But we didn't. We never lost them on, on underage. Now I never played their first Adam team either, to be fair. But you know, I can still say that. And but Sean Oak's team was my first realization of, oh my God, like this is another level, and I am not next or near it. Um, so between that and my football coach John Razzin, who said to me, "Look, Kevin, you're interested. You 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 do think about it." I mean, I was talking in dressing rooms at 15, 16. I thought that was normal, but he let me at it. In hindsight, it probably wasn't. But I was a thinker, you know. And uh, he said, "Look, you're not going to play for Cork." And he was a kind of a black and white character, you know. And and for whatever reason, it's an insight to me as well. I I did. Didn't bother me at all. I was I kind of appreciated the the straightness of it, but he said uh, I think you should get into the coaching. And so he kind of brought me along to one or two of the teams he was with younger, active periods. But I just got stuck in the under nines or whatever the I think it was eight and nines at that stage was the earliest the kids played in Balora. I also took up an under thirteen soccer team when I was about. So I started sixteen, and I think at seventeen I took the under. My brother's team were four or five years younger. I did that with uh, assisting uh, Alan Bennett's dad actually, um, for a year, and that that's where it started. So it's always been actually as the tech tact head coach, whatever you want to call that. That's where it started, and I still have always found myself drawn back to that. And I think I did SNC to get ahead, to make my teams better. I had hit a roadblock, right? Uh, around, or even a bit earlier than that, I would started experimenting with games at training, which was a little bit unusual. This would be late 90s, early 2000s, but that was influenced by Mickey Neto Sullivan. And I just happened to go to a conference he did. Uh, a workshop and he was doing constraint games. so I don't know if he, and I do remember him picking out papers at the time. He had a paper as part of his presentation, or he just had the abstract or the heading or something. I do remember that. And he was looking at science. So Mickey Ned was from the Pat Spillan first P group back in Toman College, I think, in the early 70s. And People would admit it now, but didn't at the time. One of the reasons he struggled with Kerry as a manager coach was maybe the tail end of going in the next man after Dwyer, like going in after Ferguson, you know. But I also think he was actually too forward thinking. Um so he he didn't influence it. He just did something that was smack me in the face, like, you know, how do you speed up the game and how do you get a team kicking more, right? And it was like you give I think he might have said fifteen, you start with fifteen seconds from a kick out to get into the attack zone, or maybe it was twenty seconds to get a shot off. I can't remember the exact details. And I was like, Of course, speeds it up. And how do you get the ball from one end to the field to the other? Best to get a football, well, you kick it. Right. And then all these other things started happening without Mickey it ever telling me that I realized getting the teams to do it was oh, guys have to position themselves better and there's a lot of frustration so that was 2001, 2003 with very like another 12-14 team at one stage and then I got involved with the adult team my own age my own group like and that was probably the introduction to skill acquisition so when I did the SSC, and then I get and obviously with Satankton there was some good discussions around functional versus fundamental movements there was uh, skill acquisition was part coaching, science was part that, I think that's actually a coaching science degree really You know, um, so there that was also fueling it a bit and then I was hitting, still doing probably 10-12 years ago doing drills and stuff to a certain degree, had a game based approach but teams were just hitting a wall in terms of their progression so I was getting more and it was just that frustration constantly of okay, I get them fitter they'll beat a few teams Right, right. We'll get him kicking the ball more. We'll be that little bit better at that, right? Um, and it's just been an extension of that. And then I kind of met a few people and uh met Marco Sullivan, which was a good influence, and he and Kevin Murray was a big influence. So Kevin's always been that year, a couple of years ahead of me in the cycle of his SC learnings. That he. And it's kind of a similar path. We're not the exact same type of person or same, you know, but we would share 80, 90 percent. I would, I would imagine, of similar principles. And uh, he definitely influenced me and shot me in ways to look up at stuff, and, you know, that kind of things. And then you just, it, it's never ending, you know. True, Mark and Kevin, the ecological stuff, kind of emerged for me. So I've been immersed in sports, and I suppose as you get older and 46 now, you start like what you start asking why? How have I ended up here now? And um, you know, my missus I've been talking to her because she's you know, she's curious about stuff, and and she said to me quite recently, like, geez, you so much of the stuff you do, you is easy. And you know, and I would have said that and she was in the sense that it's you're lazy or anything like that, but like, it seems easy for you. And I was like, sure, other than the accounts and some awkward customers, the odd awkward player, there isn't much I do that I don't like. So, look, I didn't set out with some great plan at 19 or 20 to be that. I wasn't that person. I worked in other lives. But I realized by the time I was probably 28, 32 range, like, F this, you know, like, I'm not, I'm just not a corporate, I'm not a, I even toyed with teaching and stuff like that because I, you know, I was feeling that was the world the learning. I'm really glad in hindsight I didn't go down that route. Um, but that has evolved over time, and I, I just dug out my own. I'm a soul trader, and I've been tempted to get a bit bigger in terms of the gym and stuff at times. and that's still there floating around because I have ideas around what can be done in the gym these days. Uh, COVID knocked that. Up off when it was, I nearly had a bigger place here by the and COVID just killed that. So, and, and I do, uh, I suppose it's funny, finished, played county final there, but well, it's five weeks now, I suppose. And it's, I'm really enjoying being back with the SSE focus and doing a bit more reading and just that breathing space, you know, and getting back by coincidence or maybe because we won or something I've got a bit more business from. GA athletes, uh, specific individuals recently, and I'm really enjoying that again. So that flow of the skill acquisition, learning, delivering courses, even now with this stage on it, um, the coaching is still constant, always, and and the SSC has. I suppose I should be grateful for, and I'm glad and proud of myself for driving on through times. But you do every now and then you kind of go, Jesus, what? Uh, yeah. Do i even work you know um uh, but i do and it's it's hard at times There's there's no doubt about that But like, and there is challenges you know i've, I've friends who uh work for the government uh, there is benefits i've uh, they might be teachers or you know uh, i've clients to different different jobs and people who work at high levels corporate and uh nobody has it all really you know i get I get some things laid off because I'm sole trader. I have a bit more flexibility in my life, but then I lose a bit of security and all that. So, uh, yeah, thinking about that a lot the last couple of months for some reason.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. So, um, extensive backgrounds. And when I message you about today's podcast, it was more with a sort of um, with a sort of uh, a lens looking back at your previous 12 months because you've had a you had a great 12 months with regards to the basketball and then with the getting football team you were coaching so maybe just give the listeners some context maybe just talk about the the basketball team you're involved with and the getting football team you're involved with what they achieved this year and what I really would love to get from yourself would be what like what were the biggest things you'd learned over the last 12 months and from those learnings what are you hoping to take from those and bring into 2024
1: well, I'll try and cover the two of them together in a very broad sense first, right? In what I is—is is it anything new, or is it like winning is dirty, right? And and this is not a criticism of anyone, but in both teams, and we got there, both psychosocially and enjoyment-wise and everything, but like big big issues at times you know and it's just that willingness to keep going and having a couple of people around you either i'm keeping them on the straight and narrow or they're keeping me on the straight and narrow or we're bouncing off each other um you know like that's you just have to stick at it. Now we got trophies, but I've got similar satisfactions to the past that sticking out of maybe not getting trophies at the end of it. Um, so that's that's the one thing that it's you know. I read some of the news articles about boat wins sometimes, and I'd be like, oh, Jesus, if they only knew, you know, because like they're seeing things at the end, right? uh um, and both very unique cultures, too. So their own way coming from very different kind of uh backgrounds approaches and obviously different sports who in ireland anyway have quite distinct cultures you know so that's the one thing is like uh winning's hard like and it gets harder you know the higher you go in levels but well the basketball is the highest level in ireland uh an underappreciated level in irish sport i would say i'd say it's way up. i think it personally i think it's way up there uh up there with hurling and rugby and stuff uh probably below the rugby who are genuinely at a world level basketball isn't but in terms of athleticism and skill and expression like you know really really quality every week it's amazing and a lot of people are i think are a little bit possibly unaware of it uh but balancolic is a basketball club there's a lot of circumstance and look that i'm there it kind of is tied into my skill acquisition journey or the second part of it let's say the more academic side of it i went to the uh bloody hell i know the people involved but i know what they call the organization MSAI uh skill acquisition crowd in ireland they've held a couple of conferences done a few web- webinar series and stuff like that I'd call and a lot of the guys in mtu were involved and they had their first conference in 2017, I think. And I would have known Mark was a before that. But I met Mark at it, was at dinner with him that night or whatever. And people there, a lot of big shots that I didn't really know they were at the time, maybe like Keith Davids and people like that. Well I didn't know who he was, but you know, uh, maybe didn't appreciate it enough. But anyway, uh Mark said to me, you know, you gotta talk to those guys about a colleague, basketball. I was really impressed with them. I was like, oh, really? Yeah, he said, they were asking great questions. And so I got to see them because they'd only started, I think they'd entered the National League in 2016. So they're only on the go seven years, or they're, they're, give or take, right? So they had a number of local players who had played for Ireland and had gone to America, Adrian O'Sullivan, Kirana O'Sullivan, their brothers, their cousins, Ronan, uh, there was other O'Sullivan's Luke and Daniel who are not related, but uh local guys that were friends of all that family. Kieran and Francis had played in the great teams of the 80s in Cork when you know the Kieran uh, Shannon book of hanging off the rafters that they had played in that time. Um so they were basketball people and they lived, they had to live in move to Balancoltic. So they always was a club here, actually, but they just decided, you know, Ciarán had come to the end of playing with Demons. Uh, Adrian was floating around. He didn't play with them initially because he was still a, a pro in Spain and England and Germany over a couple of years. So they just felt they had the team, local players, a couple of good underage players, and Clash Cullen lo- School had got to a couple of A finals. Um, I think they'd actually come up across against Ana a bit. Colossian uh, in, uh, in uh, Dublin um, and so they knew they were good four or five lads played Irish under 18s and stuff like that so they went for it and Kieran and Francis drove that that's the dad and the uncles of the lads I'd say and I got to see them once or twice because I thought it was cool that there was someone was doing this about a colleague uh, uh, and that that was the National League and they did, I think they won three cups basically the championship or division two whatever you want to call it uh they won three cups in a row and finally on the third year like they just missed out i remember going to them actually funny enough and thinking "Geez, i could do a lot of work with these guys fitness conditioning you know i i remember thinking that i mean i forgot about you know um so when mark said that to me i contacted francis and said do you want to meet up for coffee interested in what you're doing uh and this was more like ideas about the underage and how they wanted to have a, an open and I hate comparing teams and it, like it's a cheap way of trying to explain what I'm doing but like what Francis said to me was like he never said this, no, but it was my interpretation, was like they were trying to be a, a Nemo Rangers of basketball in Ballot right, top down bottom up, I was just impressed by everything so chatting to them, I did a bit of work with the underage, I think he brought me into the under-16s, that he was working with a typical now of a club like this. A little bit like uh, Francis was coaching three teams. Ciarán, who was player coach of the National League team, was also coaching another team or two, and still is. Um, And Daniel was the same. And it was four or five people doing everything. So then they eventually got Super League. And a, a big part of that was Andre Nation. To, in the National Leagues uh, and he actually has finally through the jigs and the reels just come back I literally dropped him off after bringing him to the physio there an hour ago uh, he's come back to us because of an injury to another player and Andre was available but he was a big influence he was a spectacular athlete spectacular American player looks really good and I think Andre had a uh, had a big effect, there was good quality players there but he started to bring people in Uh, He was good with kids and he was doing a bit of coaching with schools and kids and stuff like that. So this all drew. And then we went, I got involved, went more solidly, let's say, their first year Super League. And they went 15 and 1, I think, 16 regular season games the very first season. Uh, And we ended up losing the league semi final to Neptune. We kind of imploded a little bit, if we're honest, but uh, I think we'd done all the good work earlier in the season. So then last year came back. The lads brought me back, and brought me back more so at the after Christmas, and they wanted to run at the league. And you know we had a really good American, Um and again it was really difficult after February, January, January, February, March. You know, John, the pro, wasn't hit for There was even discussions of him getting another pro, of him going home. And, like, this guy played in the G League, like, you know, which is a serious standard. Uh, you don't get many guys from the G League come to Ireland. They're not, since the 80s, anyway. Um, so, but we just got it going. He started coming to me, and it wasn't to do with me, per se, but it was just, you know, they got their defensive setups Right. Scraped into the league. I mean, point by point, I think. And and then it just took off, you know, and we lost the game near the end away to Aina. We had to win three of the last four, and the one we lost was to Aina, but like we Aina are good six pros deep, you know, uh very difficult place to win. But we just knew at the end of the turn. You know, and there's sometimes in many seasons, this eureka thing that happens. It happened with the football as well. And they beat us close, uh, but you just knew, like, if we come up here again, we're beating them. And that was the talk straight away. It just, you know, we've all been in teams where you just knew, you know, we are actually good enough. You know, Uh, our other pro got fouled out that night. We knew we could sort of discipline a little bit. John hit, hit unbelievable form so it was all coming together and then we de- we got them straight away the quarterfinals away and we beat them a double overtime and honestly Robbie it's top three sporting occasions I was ever involved in just the dr- drama was off the charts and Irish basketball is funny for me in the, it's quite disciplined you get in trouble for talking I've I, been very lucky to get away with murder off the bench a few times, or saying something on the sideline. Uh, I forget that it's not GA, and but it's still that little bit closer to GA than let's say it might be in a top European league or the NBA or America or whatever. But uh, yeah, that was really intense double overtime. Uh, and then we got demons in a Cork semi final in the, in the in Cork, and we. You just knew after the end of game it was it was going to take something to stop us. They'd found they'd figured out tactically a few the the. The defensive stuff, our two pros hit hit four, and we dismantled Demons in the semi-final you know, big day again in, in Cork Derby, all that stuff uh, and then we played Marie who were the cup champions uh, in the final and totally dismantled them so it was very gratifying from the fitness point of view, we, we did peak for playoffs from my point of view, I was very happy with that we sorted out the niggles but it was just stick at it, stick at it, stick at it Team effort, you know. Kieran's an excellent coach. Again, he does. He's been influenced heavily by Mark as well, and just talking to Kieran a lot has helped me in my football coaching. But from creating the club to becoming Super League champions in really six seasons is fairly spectacular. You know. Now there was talent there, and Adrian came back. He's played the last two years. You know, Adrian's an Irish international. Keelan is a 6 foot 10 uh, chap from Belfast who would have won a championship actually with Belfast way back but has been a pro Irish international, he had to move to Cork, so a few things fall into place Curran's coaching is very good uh, and they play a style that is clearly different to everybody else um, and a little bit like my football you definitely need the pros in Irish basketball, like if you had injuries we do a well. We need to keep the healthier than anyone. Like, we're playing Sligo at 5 pros, in a 5 or 6, uh, Truly will have 4 probably, uh, and a few of the others, I think, Kilester probably have 4 this year. Like, we have very good subs and probably have the best Irish players in the league or the best group, right? Um, and that's the thing. And then, that's the other thing is that the culture of the club is fantastic. And It is all those things that Francis and Kieran and Kieran wanted it to be. It's not perfect. People have arguments, but you're not going to get, you know, doesn't always run smoothly, but like nothing does, whether you win or lose it, never runs smoothly. And I suppose that would be, as I said at the start, kind of one of the major lessons. It's nothing new to me, but it's like been reinforced. It's
0: always messy. It's always messy winning's messy that's the, yeah. that's the quote so far but uh for just it's maybe it's a wee bit of a digression but what is it from basketball because i've heard you say this but i don't think we've ever had a deep conversation about it what from basketball have you taken from it and been able to incorporate into Gaelic football from a coaching perspective
1: uh language right um they have their own language i've took some stuff and some of it hasn't stuck but some of it did um So, and and just the idea of finding language within a team, you know, that was reinforced to me, not necessarily that I'm stealing the exact words, but the fact that it does help, right? Um, It takes time. Gaelic football, culturally, I think it's a challenge in Cork and possibly in some of the more traditional places in in various sports. To bring in stuff like this, you do get resistance. Um, Whereas, like, I know from talking to coaches, coaches who do my courses or just becoming friendly with doing other courses or going to uh, get a games course or whatever and just knowing the coaches from the different parts of the world, or different parts of the world, I should say, you do get, like, the Nordies uh, are way more in tune with this and hungry for it, you know uh i've had a little bit of insight into some of the club teams who've done well from up there like and they're speaking their own languages you know um so that would be one part of it i would have stolen just some pure practice ideas you know some of my repetitive uh what i call wave or repetition repetition drills up and downs whatever you want to call it i've got some good ideas for that from uh, Kiran's practices and how you how you can adjust them actually you know tactically technically right so to constrain an up and down practice a tiny bit just so you're going to get more hand passing off the weak side or you know kicking for scores or or whatever the case is the other thing is the amount of scoring they do and I really upped that this year with the football so we even if it was a little unopposed, but certainly two v ones, we did an unbelievable amount of kicking uh, for scores or punching or, or you know, uh, and they're kind of built into the way of practices anyway that I'd probably put in between maybe small sided games or full sided games or whatever I was doing. Uh, but the and this is something I would have spoke to Kevin Murray a bit about as well uh, that he'd incorporated with Cork He doubled down on this a couple of years ago as well. That, like we don't shoot enough. You know, uh, now some of that can be misconstrued for going out and doing a lot of isolated shooting. I'm not completely against it. I actually sometimes create games, say in hurling, that if you get the ball out to the wing, nobody can touch you and you can just shoot, but you have to shoot. Right. That's a heavy constraint. Right. I would just play the game normally, but like players do find themselves out in the, on the wing in, in the game of hurling quite regularly. So, why not have a shot if the space is there? So, it encourages that practice. You know, it is unopposed, but I mean, you probably won't take on sideline shots under too much pressure anyway, generally, you know, unless you're delivering. Because, you know, there's probably a better option to move it if someone's chasing you down hard for a block down. But in fact, I believe in the game you get. So, you know, my point is that they create scenarios like this a lot. Um, and that's what I would have picked up from that and, you know I'm just reinforcing stuff as well that like so how do you play against a plus one in Gaelic football you know repetitive drills like this it's not drills in the isolated sense now, but you know so I would put in a plus one or even a plus two if we were playing a particular team that was constraining the forwards you know, I um, you know, I so we might do a seventy-seven up now, seventy-seven, but that there's two sweepers permanently at either side, yeah. so every time it's seventy-nine, really. Yeah. You know, and I get those guys to sit in the hole or one of them sit in the hole, don't attack or defend too much, just be a body. So without ever talking to the Gaelic footballers, they're going to have to deal with like uh, an underload and how do we get through a pack defence and. And if it's going reasonably well and they're kicking a few points, then I might put in another, say, we need to pan the goal. That's the only way you can score, right? That's really difficult. But they just start running patterns of play yeah. that sets up the, the idea. And I think sometimes, uh, really with the higher level players, right? Uh, even the higher level players say in the club team. But I think this would work even better at higher, at inter county level. A lot of the time, because they're so obsessed with the game, sometimes they're there because they're a little bit smarter, right? Um, you do get people who are just athletic and above it, but most of them, are, I believe, are probably there because of how they think, right? You can deliver concepts to them, right, through these practices, and they get the concept. You know, it doesn't have to be an embedded learning thing all the time. You know, they understand that if we overload the right hand side, it creates space at the left hand side. And if we keep one man left wide and they one or two goes, you know, uh, I would have done kind of a for a particular game. But in general, I think it's a good idea every now and then, a bit like what Derry were doing. But we couldn't get a score till everybody. in The team was inside the 21. And uh, when I say team down, oh, this might have been a tennis side, right? Or it might have been a 77 up and down. So every into 21. And I would have seen a lot of that type of stuff, uh, you know, with the basketball where they overload a side and then they play out of that. So they do structure a little bit. I, I, I think it's a touch like the rugby and what Ireland got to, where they tended to, they moved from the very structured Joe Smith stuff to, Okay, we'll set up the initial structure off of a line out or a scrum or the first drug. But after that, we're just playing, you know, and we have principles of play then. So, you know, tying all that stuff together is that here's some principles. And that might be in a written PDF where over the season or two seasons with Newsstown, we created principles. And we talk about knowledge in the game and knowledge of the game. Like, there would people who'd be arguing with me, like, Curon doesn't doesn't use any of that stuff. Okay, he does do scouts, right? So he'll give information on opposition. That was something I took, actually. I literally took his template for the scouting. So I scouted every team this year. And I know... And however, however little or much information I had of them, you know, it could be broad. Sometimes it was specific. There's absolutely no doubt it helped us at the end of the championship when two of the teams we re okay? So it was our second time playing this season. And... Some of the guys were like in the football team were saying this is a bit much you know and I and I came to the and that's fair enough because it is club level and you do have that spectrum of players and you have that spectrum of ages and you have older players who would struggle with change of any sort right but I would say it's fine. Like don't worry about it. You do not have to open it. I don't care. You know this is for guys who want information and might want a little bit more information uh based on the opposition we're playing right or how we might attack this game in particular like we really can't go through these lads right they put up a big block at the 45 and they play plus one we're gonna have to go around or go over and some of those guys and the you know we we got used to those generalities through going through over around uh, and then some teams let us play any way we want and then some teams go back to man and, you know, so I think we've built and a lot of that I took from from the basketball but then Kiran doesn't do the PDF stuff at all or the principles he just writes them up on the board and he does runs through everything but it's such an up and down game there's so much tactical stuff you can learn from it and it's just it's embedded in their sport though so they're doing this quite early and the, just the nature of the game 5v5 five five, you attack we attack right? Now, yeah. all sports are like that to a degree but basketball is probably more repetitive so they get yeah. so practiced at it yeah. and the language goes with that, right? Yeah. So, while they're over here, and that's fine, most club guys here, Nordies are probably here and is probably in the middle let's say, just, you know, so I'm trying to bring the lads from here to here you know, yeah. Just a bit of understanding of the game because Gaelic sports in general has gone from one extreme to be very principle based and just play as you uh, learn as you play from say 30 plus years ago. And then all the other stuff with free play and schools play and other sports that went with that to becoming really structured but forgetting about the principles of the games. And I've dealt with players in the last eight to 10 years since it came off from Australia, basically, who genuinely, like, have never... And they would tell you, I don't know what you're talking about, say I'm talking about something. And I, it, it could... Like, I found out players had never been told, like, what it means to be between your man and the goal. Or what that means defensively, you know. Uh, or even, like, you know, how how I would ask questions... And I'm doing this with 13-year-olds at the moment, below in Ahada. I'm just doing youth development, athletic development with them um, for the winter. But I'm trying to attach it to the sports as well, you know. So we play a when we play a handball game, like where how are we going to score? What makes it easier to score? And they think about it and they go, Well, if I'm on my own. I go, Yeah, very good. Like so, uh, how do you get on your own? Yeah. Well, I suppose I find the space, and I go brilliant, right? Space. So attacking space is good. So how do you stop that? That? And they go well. We can mark them. Okay, that's definitely one thing. Uh, what if they're moving the ball really fast and moving around? Well, we just got to block the space or block the. They might say block the goal or something. So it's like right, you're condensing space, and yeah. they yeah. So open space, condensed space, but. It's and in no way is this criticism of players. It's, abs- it's not even a criticism of the coaches, actually. It is criticism of some coaches who are unwilling to learn. But look, there's not mean you can do anything about that. Yeah. They're not being supported from a top down point of view either, right? And the players like such good athletes. And they learn in the game a lot of them, you know, um, uh, and they come out and i I had an interesting back and forth a couple of times this year, and I won't name him, but he's a very smart player, okay? Inter-county level. And my games were frustrating the hell out of him, right? And I ended up saying to him, it's not about you. You know? I know you're a good decision maker. He felt restricted by say, speed through the middle was one day that I remember quickly. So, I had a six-second through the middle rule. We were looking, we had 32 at training this night. So, we were playing a 16-v-16 game. I had two full-time sweepers, right? So, just how we do in traffic, put six seconds through the middle. Now, six seconds through the middle is not easy in getting football, even at the highest level, right? But, one team was doing it, okay? And, teams would have been split fairly evenly so there was no particular reason you know but they just had got the positioning you know so they'd actually got their centre forward to stand on the 45 meter line so that at least he could get a shot and you could reuse your six seconds if you go into the attack zone and it comes back out that's fine if you go back to your centre back or defender inside the the 45 that's fine and you go through again so there's all these sorts of things would naturally happen they'd go backwards swing the play you know that's that's sometimes what you have to do with getting football. So I constrained the game but if we could go straight through and do it fast, beautiful like that's the ideal scenario. So one team were doing it successfully and the other team weren't getting it on. and he loses the plot me He was like this game is too fucking hard and I was like, it's not hard. like these guys are doing it. your your own opposition teammates um but what was happening was nobody's instructed the guys before and they weren't talking to each other there was they had rushed out to get out i don't think they'd listened to the constraint properly maybe but whatever they weren't organizing themselves so what it led to was he pulled them in and play for eight minutes usually with these games you know something like that give them two minutes off i might go do something else and go back to another eight minute game or whatever and then the second time they were set up right in a slightly different way but they did it their own way but like if it doesn't look like we're going to get through go back the other way that's i heard them say that right that this was the inter player right so for for that you know there was um that was huge learning you know that for them that they had to sort it out themselves um and I suppose I'm wandering a small bit from your original question, but like that's good. Good. Uh, those kind of challenges that you see in basketball when, when I was at the basketball, lads, as well as guys picking up the wrong space, right, uh, in a defensive or attacking setup, and they just run it again. No, that's not said every now and then. Kieran won't do what the fuck, like, <laughs> like that still happens, and you know, and I and I still say to guys like what the hell do I need to help you with like is there a reason you won't go down and pick up you know posts that is one thing I did take from basketball was posts so I do a lot of too wide too deep stuff so like if we're tapping try and get too wide and too deep they might be actually the same player or two players that go wide and cut in or if we're playing three or four forwards up front just keep too deep um and i call them posts so we four posts doesn't necessarily have to be the sideline but just you know you're heading towards often actually dsb posts and j pitches are are really ample. like that's deep head for that post (laughs) so i picked up a few those things from uh basketball but you do get some pretty severe resistance always
0: Always. oh yeah just can so like with the basketball there minute uh, winning, win, winning is messy language and sort of the, the you got more sort of um affirmation around repetition re- repetition moving yeah. more into the, the getting football and, and you can correct me here if i'm wrong but when we were talking around this time last year my the feeling that i got from you or my perception was you were a bit frustrated by some of the resistance with some of the players and actually. And again, you never mentioned names, but you were like saying it is actually some more the higher level players, like some of the, some maybe the county guys, they seem to get more frustrated. So when, when I when I seen the success you actually had with the Getting football team this year, and again, you don't strike me as a person who needs external validation to 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 feel a self of self worth. You, you seem to be a guy who's very much in a lot of personal development and realizes that you know your own content as a person is from within. But was there a sense of some validation this year? you know, after winning that championship and, and, and like, you know, did, did you see like, did, did was there a certain fraction of the players before who were a little more resistance initially, like by the end of the year, we we're like, you know, what? I actually think a lot of what Kevin was trying to do. I can start to understand it now. And so basically, like, do you feel like you were a lot more validated, you know, at, at, after this season?
1: Um, we actually had a bit of uh what a confrontation is possibly the best way to describe it, not a physical one or anything like that, with the team, where I actually said, lads, I don't need your fucking validation, right? Um, If you don't like the way something is done, it's almost impossible to have a group of footballers, particularly a a range of experiences and ages and levels, you know, to be totally happy with everything we're doing, you know, So, I'm human too, though. And I'd be an unbelievable lawyer if I was not a tiny, and I I do my best not to be above this, but there is a little bit of it like, I hope that shuts up one or two people. Not even necessarily in the group, to be honest. Not necessarily in the group at all, in fact, right? Uh, Just in general, you know, we played both. It was very satisfying the final right because and i i always have to temper it like and i said this to the lads actually at one point in preparation for the county final when the, the kids were coming down on a sunday morning to do a meet and greet you know the local kids and i was like lads, this is so important like you win your counties 20 years in advance right and you don't really win them this year you know you keep all you guys interested we had 38 at training Some nights, maybe even more you know in a rural parish right it's it's not a tiny parish but it's not a massive parish either right so you know there's something in that you know it's not to do with me so the talent and determination was there in existence anyway right but I tracked data so from the coaching perspective when I first talked to the manager about getting involved I said get me some videos Right now, I actually had seen them myself in the flesh the year before, as it happened. And he told me what he'd like to improve. Uh, it was fairly typical in the sense of, I want us to kick the ball more. And I was like, immediately, Tim, there's a time to kick the ball, and there's a time not to kick the ball. You know, so. He seemed happy enough with that,
0: right? So sorry, can I can I just interject for, I don't want and I don't want to uh, I'm always doing my best not to interrupt you because your your flow toss is very good, but I had the exact same conversation with, with the manager of the hurling team that I coached this year. He was like he was like, I want them to be direct. This modern game is ruining it. And I okay. I, was actually, I said the same thing, I, was, I said, Listen, there's a time to go short and there's a time yeah. to be direct. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And I suppose ultimately I'm and it wasn't just my coaching or my session design, right? There was a leaning from the management, even though they let me run the training sessions without virtually any interjection whatsoever. It's still those conversations where, and they would say, can we do a little bit more of that? And that might come from the players, or it might come from that. But, you know, there was, they were never so way out there that there was conflict on that stuff, right? So... I think we came to the middle on a, a lot of things as time went on. You know, but the final was like we were heading towards total football. And that might sound arrogant. A lot of that has to do with the ability of the players there. They could kick it. They were very athletic and they had an unbelievable uh, determination. Like, ridiculous. right? Their willingness to train and go through hard yards is unrivaled at club level for me. You know, especially, you would get that at senior club level in the big clubs, but that's, and this is no offence to any individuals, they all put in the work, right, but that is a little bit of survival of the fittest, you know, whereas rural clubs have to try their best to look after as many people as possible, right, Uh, so I'm human and there was satisfaction in that sense, but there was from the point of view of the style that emerged, and it did emerge i didn't quite see it at the start like uh like it turned out right but statistically and data wise i turned that team upside down so our bilateral play was pretty much non-existent from the just from the videos bar one or two individuals for the previous two seasons now on a small amount of videos, I must say, but still five games, I think, I analysed overall. Uh, our turnovers by kicking into the attacking zone. It crept up every now and then. There was a few bad habits with here period there, but by and large was gone. It didn't happen at all in the final, really. Running into tackles happens, but again, almost er- eradicate. Um, defensively, They were getting men back, and I think this was part of their cycle. So what this, again, is not a reflection on anybody who came before me or the players themselves. They had organized themselves really well in the couple of years previous. But I probably felt there was too many men back and a bit of lazy defending at times. Or, I don't know, lazy is the wrong word. It's actually, I think it leads to confusion because there's a lack of clarity, right? so I pushed the team up a bit and then we we eventually found eventually it didn't happen overnight, again it was reliant on the personnel we had but we found a good system of getting one man back, which reduced the possibility of goals, and whereas pretty much everybody else was involved in the defensive system and I took from the tackling uh, cues that we would use in Gaelic football in general delay excuse me, delay, deny, dispossess. And I changed that to the team. So that the forwards, let's say broadly, the attacking, the men you keep up two or three or four, we would keep up top. They were the delay. The middle was the deny space. And then you were hoping to dispossess either in the middle or in the defensive zone. Um, So and it was a little bit cagey to start to the final, but like, and we were a little bit slow. I think they were actually quite fatigued overall because of the duel, like they, for people who wouldn't understand the way we even thought about, they were a dual team and they won both counties in Hurling and football. So there was certain, and we were starting games a bit slow, but once they got into the flow of the games, like they were shutting teams down defensively. And what it showed me as well is that, okay, you need your stars to win anything, generally. But we lost a top-quality defender. And individually, he was lost. There's no doubt about that. He could shut down anybody. I think possibly, with the exception of David Clifford or one or two of those guys, anywhere. And he will play for Cork. He's only 21. Uh, he, He broke his leg in the last group game. But he wasn't that lost in terms of structure. And, you know... We could suffer the the losses of players. Obviously, there's a limit on that, and uh, certainly if you lost certain forwards, because classy high scoring forwards are a rarity in pretty much any sport. It's, you know, it's like you're number nine in, in English soccer; like you're just going nowhere without them. It's a similar thing. You need two or three guys in Gaelic football. So, a lot of satisfaction that I could stand over this statistically, no matter what anybody said. Like here's a video of where you're at and that's what it that sort of reinforces as well coaches need to do that but yeah. not not just to prove themselves right I actually, that was not the reason I did it, that was something that emerged, I went, mean, I'm going to have to show people where they were here, you know, because yeah. they're they're, uh, they're denying facts here, you know, which is, yeah. yeah, so but even to develop yourself as a coach and, and to see how you're going as a management or whatever the case is. There. I mean, even kids, you know, and I'm doing this with the clubs I work with at the moment, i to like, you know, video them. Video where they are now. See what's working and see, you know, what gaps still appear after six months, 12 months, whatever,
0: you know? 100% of what, what came in or what comes to my mind there, and I think I'm pretty sure we've had this conversation at some stage. So, you know, you look at sport preparation um when it comes to an athlete we always talk about well uh, most people mention the four buckets but i think there's five because i think lifestyle is the fifth one so you have your physical your technical your tactical your psychological or some people say mental skills and the lifestyle is sort of then supports those four buckets so i look at it those through those five lenses and like you know you notice know and I know this that there has been this over emphasis on the physical domain because it's the easiest one of those to measure yeah. Like, you know, like, like your trap bar deadlift, uh, I can get that up six weeks, eight weeks, no problem. And it's, yeah. and it's so objective. Whereas what you just touched on there is like the, the, the thing that scares off or has scared off a lot of coaches with the whole skill acquisition domain is that how do I know that we're getting better? And it's like, listen, skill acquisition is essentially learning and you can't measure learning in the moment. You can only, you can, you can only um, like, you can only, see learning over time and that's essentially what you've just said there in terms of looking at those kpis you know uh not going into tackles less turnovers in the last third um and and that essentially when you start to see a trend of those getting better that's essentially your one rms yeah you know if you are if we're using to, to the physical domain but
1: we kicked sorry kicked three and punched one point in the final out of 13 points on the weak side we went from, and I, I like this is going to be perceived maybe as blowing my own trumpet. Like I said, this comes from dealing with Mickey Neto Sullivan, Kevin Murray, Marco Sullivan, all these people, you know, giving me ideas, me running, practicing this over a long period of time, learning how important uh, periods of training sessions to allow guys to just go for it that psychologically safe place, actually programming it right, which is, I probably might have been a bit flahula in that I I would have previously let the whole thing be a bit, um, it should always be a psychologically safe place, but I suppose I'm actually programming areas of the practice where I just want you to kick eight times with your left side in this next 10 minutes, you know, just go for it, nobody cares, couldn't give a flyers where it goes, like you're not going to get better unless you practice at this level, then we go up to the training game. Do you feel it's in your locker, right? If you don't, don't do it in the league match, right? I and you know me, know I'm probably I'm very so careful as not to do something, but we got to think about the performance of the team as well, right? But when you get a bit of confidence, look, I want you to go up those levels, and and, and we, so that was one stat I was delighted with. And through the whole year, we've had guys. So I think we've had twelve guys attempt shots in the last two years after week out. Okay. So that's night and day.
0: Yeah, that's amazing.
1: Yeah, we only had one guy this year's championship who played that didn't try to score. The right cornerback who played every game. Right? Uh, Including subs, everybody. Everybody attempted. Now, one or two of them were ugly. I'm still slagging one fellow about an attempt at the quarterfinal. But, you know, he was a fullback, got up there and had a shot. And then, uh, like...
0: Did it go out for? Did it go out for a sideline?
1: No, it went wide. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was wasn't that bad. No, in fairness, <laughs> um, it was pretty horrible. But it was one of those the the psychology of that though. That was a game that ended two four to one seven, and we won on penalties. Right, it was it actually mirrored the Castlehaven game very much from the other day in all sorts of ways. And he was taking the game by the scruff of the neck, you know. I think we were a point behind at that stage just have to go up and get it you know have to go up and get it so the attitude of it was brilliant you know and um, and I think fellas even feed off that like they knew he wasn't much of a a recognised kicker but like if if I have to go up and do it lads I do it. you know so yeah the just
0: the willingness to take that responsibility is is yeah. great like
1: yeah absolutely yeah yeah so um yeah, like, and it's funny, I spoke with Kevin Murray already in this, but like, Kevin is doing a PhD in, in a CIT or NTU on bilateral skills, or that's a main, he's done a paper on bilateral skills that came out recently. Like, and basically, it's the key to Gaelic football. You know, um, if you want to win at high levels or to get to the next level yourself, it seems to be one of the, now, obviously, there's athletic determinants and tickets to the party for the higher levels you just have to be a certain body shape sp- speed or, or aerobic capacity we, we all understand and accept that but to go from a junior to a senior player or senior to county or whatever level you think you can go uh by skills will give you a good shot at it um uh, so i went after that you know I, I suppose i've known that for a while but it's interesting to see it now in, in an actual research paper that this stuff matters you know
0: Oh, big time the word I was trying to think of earlier is infer you can only infer learning over time that was the word I was trying to think up but it's it's so funny you mentioned bilateral um just and it's kind of a side story it's a little bit of story into my family history but my great-grandfather was in hospital one time and we went to go visit him and I was about eight or nine at the time I was young anyway and I remember he asked my dad or oh, what sports does he play and would you believe at the time I hadn't started hurling yet. I I started football before I started playing hurling because hurling's my sport. Like I when, yeah. when I like when I found hurling, like I just found that was like hurling was my first love, and I love like it's just you know when you fall in love with something. Yeah. Like I was like, this is unbelievable. But I played Gaelic football first, and I will never. It's one of those things like you know obviously I don't remember the exact word but I can remember just the moments I remember the hospital I was in I remember the smell of the room I remember my great-grandfather lying in the bed and I remember I couldn't hear him he was speaking so softly and he said to my father what sport does he play and he's like he plays Gaelic football and then he goes what foot what's his good foot <laughs> and then and then my dad turns to me and goes what what's what foot do you kick with and I said right and he said and he said so you're right footed. and then my father says oh his good foot is his right foot and my great-grandfather laughed and then my, and he said something, my dad went into him and then my dad laughed and then he goes, he says, you gave him the wrong answer, it should be both. And I remember that day I went home, <laughs> I went home and I started kicking my left foot and I had no clue how to kick off my left foot. I remember I was doing like the right hand to left foot and I was throwing up all wonky and then I can actually remember deliberately turning myself back to my right and saying, how do I do it on this foot? And I was like, okay, I plant my left, it's right hand to right foot. So, like, I remember, I can remember telling myself then it has to be left hand to left foot then when you're kicking. So yeah. then I just, but I um, it all stuck me by that from my great grandfather, and then I carried that into hurling too. Like, like I was like, right, if it's two foot, like it just made sense to my child mind too. I was like, obviously you're going to be way more dangerous as a player if I can, if I like, I always get to seeing like, oh, I'm on my right, no, I'm kicking on my left. It's like, it's like obviously you're going to be yeah. so much more dangerous. And same with hurling if you could do that both sides. So yeah, my great grandfather yeah. who's initiated for me, I just always remember that. Well, that's uh, it's a
1: it's good story first of all, but like it tells you a lot about environment. And, you know, if we look, if I was looking at things ecologically that you were in that environment and someone passed on that little bit of, you know, that would motivate or influence you because he's obviously your great granddad and uh, and your dad is there and it's a person of influence that,
0: you know, I often think
1: that about, and it was an interesting conversation that I had with Potty Murray, who won a few others with Cork Komogi team uh, a number of years ago. And I questioned the placement of somebody on the squat right uh just based on my eyes right and now they were young right he was like that family like they're late developers and i know she's at home talking to her dad and mom about sport and i know she's going to be getting good advice and i'm willing to hang in there with her because people like that sometimes flourish late and blah, blah, blah. It was basically like he was talking about the environment and the genetics of it all. And that it might, you know, whether that you agree with that approach or not, in this case, he was turned out to be right. Okay. But is it keeping someone else off the team or whatever? But, you know, those motivations, I think they really help, you know, the advantages people have. We talk about social cultural advantages a lot or demographic advantages a lot. But even the house you grow up in is such an advantage to some people uh, from the the learning you get. But you were talking about learning there which is something to go back to the practice and coaches being afraid of skill acquisition because they get the performance feedback loop in sessions when they do nice, tidy, neat training. They go this, and I understand why you do that because bloody hell I did that before. But you know, this looks good. And I did the same thing that ever, like in my head, looking at football, I'm like, why? And this is say 15, 20 years ago, working with an under 16 team, Ballor, or something like this. Like, why the hell is he kicking the ball there? We spoke about this. But then I realized, obviously, speaking about it means nothing, almost, almost nothing, right? Except again, maybe those excellent players who can take information and they kind of understand the principles of the game really well. Like, he has to do it and I have to create training sessions that help me get him doing it repeatedly. So, you know, in context, or what we might say is representativeness, but it's really just in context.
0: So, moving into 2024, and you, you, can, you can break this into a two-part question. You can break it into an S&C question and you can break it into a uh, a skill acquisition, technical, tactical, coaching question as well. So, with regards to S and C, is there anything over the last twelve months that you know you 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 learned and you either incorporate this year or something that you're looking to incorporate now in next year going forward from the S and C standpoint? And then likewise, same thing with coaching. Is there something over the last twelve months you were like, you know, I I hadn't really done that before. I integrate this year. I liked it. I think now I'm gonna use utilize that more now going forward coaching or so basically like is there anything over the last 12 months you learned that you're like yeah that that, that was something I didn't really know or else I didn't re- I did know but I didn't utilize or maximize as much as I had before and, and I, I really think that was uh, a big benefit this year both S&C and, uh, sport coaching wise and then is there anything going into next year from both s and and sport coaching wise that you're like that's something I want to take from this year into next year or is there something that you're thinking I want to research more of that and then bring it into next year uh, from the s and
1: side, first of all, I think uh, I've re-evaluated a love appreciation for testing, but I've narrowed down the testing I'm going to do and have started doing, say, in the last three or four months, really, with individuals. So I've refined that a little bit, the importance of flying speed, uh, aerobic capacity, still important um uh, but i'm using rsi and uh, dsi a lot more and i find them useful as much for information about the individual as anything um and the progress the doubling down on that is you know because i have a mix of athletes who just getting stronger will help you know or anything they did would help you know. On one end, but I have a few experienced pros with the basketball as well, uh, who in various cases have three, four years of college SEC in America or European League SEC. So they're a little bit more complex. And I do find, you know, narrowing don't say Nico, like keep getting stronger, keep getting stronger, keep getting stronger. That's working, you know. Um and it might have been obvious, but having those tests, which are not that hard to administer, I've tidied up my testing. Uh Players like them, or athletes like them, uh, they can have a little look at what they're doing, and it's easy enough for me, for me to explain the reasoning why we're doing this. So I've tidied that up, and I think it's valuable, you know, for motivation reasons. And, you know, like sprint testing is so motivational. Uh, you know, guys just you you create great questions over sprint testing, for
0: instance. Okay, how often are, are you incorporating that testing within training or are you specifying specific time periods or does it depend on the quality? Like are you testing some qualities at you know more regularly or more frequently than others? And so how, how does that look across the season? So
1: the RSI I keep an eye on a little bit more, right? Um because the training and doing the dynamic strength uh, assessment or index, let's say, is to create programming. A bit like force force velocity stuff, right?
0: Uh, sorry, how, how are you doing DSI? Do you a, do you a force play?
1: No. Uh, I'm just doing strength versus dynamic strength. Okay, right, okay. So hex bar or similar. So you could do a back squat versus it actually does depend a little bit of the athlete. Um, Back squat versus jump squat, and I just pick 20% of their uh body weight. So uh, and it's really obvious, usually, to be honest, you know, and and even at that, it's eight or nine times out of ten, it's get stronger, still, you know, because an awful lot of athletes are not. Uh, but when you compare it then with the RSI, you do notice that. So, that helps you see if they are applying force better and more. Um, well, what kind of plyometrics, you know, so some of them. So, two of the pros now are identical from the dynamic strength index point of view, right? So, we're just doing back squats as the main. We do a bit of deadlifting three by three, but back squatting is what's going to drive them on. Um, But their RSI is really different. So one of them is well able for more dynamic, you know, hurdle hops, uh, box jumps, even depth jumps, that kind of stuff. Whereas the other guy is the the rudimentary and, you know, uh, hop circuits of 15 seconds on, 15 seconds off, building capacity basically, you know. So that would be the the thing I found out. I have the time and space to do a session with them once a month or every now and then when I feel we can change things up because they're coming in here once a week or maybe twice a week sometimes and there's a constant flow there. So I may not have that with all everybody, but with, with a private client, I would I have taken to the athletes now to doing those uh three assessments. Cause anyway, like you do get the force velocity as well. You could do a body weight counter movement jump and a squat jump. Um uh, so it depends on their level. I mix and match a little bit, but um, so yeah, that's the SSC stuff. And I do believe they are giving decent information and it's worth doing for many, many reasons. Just the ability to chat to an athlete at the start when you're getting to know them, yeah. rather than running into training.
0: And is uh, there sorry to interrupt, is there any anything Going forward now into 2024, SNC wise, that you're like, I, I haven't looked into that area much, but I, I would like to look into that more. Anything in top of mind? And if if not, that's fine. Like, cause... no, I uh,
1: not at the moment, no. Um uh, not, nothing jumping out. It's just it's I'm always trying to pair it down. You know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm happy enough where it's at or, Yeah, you
0: know? it's funny, it's funny how so many of us. I'm, I'm, I'm counting me and you on that, like how that bell curve shape, shape just comes along. Is it, you know, at the start, yeah. it's like, ah oh, just keep it, si-, you know, everything's just simple because I don't know that much at the start. And then like you start to learn more and you're like, you start adding way too much shit. Yeah. It's like, it's so fucking, it's gone way too complex. And, but you know, still, uh, but we're doing this and you're giving all these rationalizations. And then you get to the under that bell curve and you're like, it's back to simple again, but I have a whole better reason why yeah. it is simple. So I
1: think you need that. know oh yeah yeah I I think you know I don't I think overloading in a way is is not the worst thing in the world. Um but it's funny you say about taking stuff out stuff when I get into and it's regular discussions sometimes arguments uh about say isolated drills and their value within coaching kids in particular right I always say to coaches Just take it out for a month. I mean, who cares if the under-12s don't do drills for a month? Just take it out and see what happens. I don't know what the results of that are going to be, like I, you know, uh, but that's what I did. And after a while, I went, "Geez, I don't do that anymore." And they're they're getting better. Uh, So you know, sometimes there is a bit of trial and error, particularly with amateur coaches. Now, you know. Coaching, even at a level, you know, like sometimes like I see I saw an article last year about um an intercompany coach going saying he was doing 60, 70 hours a week. And I was like, Why? Like there is just no way I couldn't conceive. I know I know there's a bit of extra work, and you have a media responsibilities, and you know, there is definitely stuff like that, and you do have to talk to players but when I read through it and I read other stuff that this man had said, I was like, he's doing a heap of stuff he doesn't need to be doing. He's doing a heap of stuff he could be actually giving off. Again, my experience with Kirk Mowry, which was, you know, so positive in the sense of dealing with Poddy and Kevin and people like that, like the organization, like Paddy had three coaches, me, SC, and two hurling coaches that year. He gave us eight girls each, you know, if they have issues or whatever, they can talk to you. Give him a call once a month, maybe if you can. You know, but some of them will want it, some of them won't, and that's fine. Uh, And that's exactly how we approached it. Um, you know, just that ability to offload. Like he was still going to get phone calls from yeah. a certain cohort, no matter what. But so, you know, I we should all try and I suppose uh, there is a better word for this, but declutter every season. You know, at least try to start as minimalistic as you can. And you'll pick up stuff and problems during the year and try stuff here and there. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that, really. Uh, It does get overwhelming at times, but stepping out of it, you know. Actually, really coincidentally, my business has a house in Feathered in Tipperary. Uh, That's where she's from. And I started going up there the weekends of matches in Cork. Which makes no logistical sense, right? Oh, it's not that far away either, it's an hour. But I go up there on a Friday night and I actually forgot about the county semi-final this year. I swear to God, on Saturday morning, she was like, What are you gonna do now? Are we going for breakfast? And I blah blah and I was going on and on and on, talking about going for a run or something. She was like, Don't you have to be in park three at four o'clock? And like, I totally forgot about it. And no, it a lot of preparation, and I can be a little bit like that once Thursday night session or whatever, the last session is over, like I do feel like the work's done and you should be setting up a team at that stage. Certainly teams team that's getting that far in the competition are almost self-sufficient anyway, right? But like I was being taken out of the environment. Nobody was talking to me about it. I wasn't even in Cork. I wasn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it was amazing. I, I noticed that by accident, right? Earlier in the year. And then I would start to do it deliberately, you know, that... And it made me a lot more relaxed.
0: That's mad. That is. Yeah. So
1: I'm going to add that deliberately, you know, going forward.
0: In terms of just your coaching in general, like.
1: Yeah. I I'm quite good at it. I mean, I'm a professional coach. Yeah. I I get a lot of time on my own, which suits me as a person. But suits, Mm. you know, Uh, I walk pretty much every day and try to get 4k of a walk at some stage if not two anyway you know just like just does declutter you like oh 100% you
0: know yeah but that finding very
1: deliberate programming space for yourself around things that are stressful no matter what they are really but like championship games are stressful and we can be as and I am pretty cool and I am pretty collected on the day but like there is still a stress associated with it. There's an anxiety a, a weight, like a five o'clock game is torture in ways. But it had stopped being that, you know. Uh I know there's age and experience and all that, but just maybe someone listening to this who's younger might say, I don't need to be worrying about this on Friday night. and I can't park it on Thursday. And I if I find other stuff to do, then you know, uh, and you find good players, a lot of good players anyway, are really good at that as well. You know, they keep themselves busy at yeah. The right times, but I found that I I will definitely allocate uh time to be distracted in other ways before and after games and training. I think is helpful.
0: Yeah, I I could definitely I can definitely resonate to what you said there about you know when that Thursday night session comes and you have a match on Saturday and because I'm similar to that when it came to that Thursday night I actually felt like I, 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 and I I'm, I'm actually. My perspective with the game too. I, I'm, I like to think I'm. I'm very, very laid back. I'm probably a bit nearly too laid back. Maybe I think some. I think now I never got this official feedback, but I'd probably say if you were to ask maybe some of the players, they might say we'd probably like to see a, a little more kind of like oomph from you sometimes because I am nearly too laid back. But that's just that's probably that's just my style. Like I think, you know, if I've been very open and honest, you know, probably because I, when I came to a head of COVID, like I went through some. some Serious ish mental health stuff and kind of coming through that, I was kind of it gave me a a really better perspective. And even before COVID, now I, I've done a lot of personal development and a lot of stuff on just human psychology and behavior and understanding more why humans are the way they are and really. Got a
1: small bit
0: of the cold. No, no problem. And in, investigating into my own sort of um my own psychology and why I am the way I am, but kind of getting, getting through that period of COVID for me anyway, it, it gave me even a, a greater more a, a greater appreciation that like, listen, like, sport is just one element of life. So I I, I don't want to say I don't take it seriously. I, I just see, like for me, for instance, like winning to me is peace of mind knowing you did your best. So I'm always like, lads, if you just do your very best, there is nothing more you can ask yourself or anyone else. So I don't get any anxiety about winning or losing that. I, I think most people get like, I just see some people and they're like, they're just like so like they have this fear of just making mistakes and losing. And it goes back like a big thing for me and me and you are both on the same page for this and it wasn't a learning for me this year but my bias as a coach is to make an environment that people are safe in so like yeah. kind of like you you said with the bilateral stuff i'm like lads like in one way it disappoints me that i have to say this that i have to be the person that gives you permission to do what i'm about to say but i'm giving you permission to make as many mistakes as, as you as you want I am giving you yeah. permission to express yourselves absolutely and unconditionally all the time. Because I, I say to the boys, I said to my group this year, I was like, there's only two things that I want for all of you. And I, and when I said this to you, this is how I said it to myself. There's only two things I want for you. And I'm very deliberate in the word I just used there. I said for you, not from you. There's nothing I want from you as a group. Yeah. It's like the only person that determines my self-worth in this world is me. And my 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 contentment in the world is me. So there's nothing I want from you guys. All I want is something for you, and that's two things: love playing hurling. I want hurling to be something that is a positive addition to your life. And the second thing is to have enough courage to do your best. If you do that, there's nothing more you could ask for. Like yeah. if you're like. So I, I'm like I, I stole from John Wooden that winning, and it's paraphrasing John Wooden, but his thing is like winning is peace of mind. And only did your best because yeah. because because the actual result is out of your hands. Because, like, like, you have officials, and if it if it's, like, a high-level game, you have at least seven officials, referee, two two linesmen, and four umpires. One of those can make an error, human yeah. error. You can't control that. Uh, there's illness. Someone could just wake up more morning in the game, COVID, flu, whatever. There's injury, whether it's someone getting injured going into a game, at the start of the game, during the game, into extra time. And then there is just the opposition themselves. Yeah. They could, yeah. They could just be really, really good. Yeah. You know, so... Like safety was a was a huge thing for me this year, and uh, like so, I can fully resonate to. I I'm very sort of laid back, and when it came to that Thursday night before championship, I was the same that I kind of felt okay, it's done. Like doesn't you know? I got yeah done. So I I I've, I can resonate to what you said. That mentally, I like in my head I was like, oh, Once Thursday evening comes, I'll be kind of more, you know. Yeah. Not not, not again. Not that I anxiety. I loved every moment and like that. But I was like, yeah, I can resonate to why you'd say when Thursday came. I was able to sort of unwind because the work's kind of done and it's just waiting for Saturday to come around like but yeah, you know, I, I can resonate with that.
1: I also think uh, I mirror you in the sense that I think maybe uh, the culture in Cork in general and with New System lads was they expected a little bit more rah 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 a little bit more thumping at the table I like to think I was twisting knives and using psychology way way in advance and setting guys up to be motivated or pulling the legs from under them in certain ways here and there that might get an, an inch out of them or get them to training or you know force them to be really engaged in certain practices or whatever um and that I was using language as best I could from a long, long way out. Um, that would set us up to be competitive, you know? So that's hard to get across, though. And um, probably leads me to this part, the second part, actually, nice segue into the coaching aspect of what I might bring with me or... So technically, tactically, uh, I feel I'm on the right road. I've doubled down on certain things. Going back to talking about the basketball, even more like you are what you practice. It's even more like if you practice something, that's what you get better at, right? So adding little bits of variability, I'm going to add even more repetitive practice in those wave stuff. I noticed the last few games of, the championship this year, the way we were bringing the ball out of the fence, like it just looked like the way of practices. Like, you know, they were creating those pivots, they were working in triangles and they were switching play if needs be or making the third man runs. Didn't really talk that much about those things per se, but that's what was happening. <coughs> um, but for me and in the world we live in, right, and we could argue the to toss about how progressive various places are or whatever, I feel what I've learned is that I have to present to the players, if I start with a new team next year, what I'm doing and why I'm doing it a little bit more clearly, even in a, possibly even in a presentation, even a couple of slides about motor learning and skill learning and why I use the constraints and why that happens, right? Now, maybe I'm fueled a little bit by the, the literal data I have on the last team I worked with which I can use right? but that I feel I probably didn't let the players know enough what I'm at whereas I just drove on and in some ways because training was enjoyable and that was the feedback from last year was that that was enough and it's not it's not for everybody anyway that was the big, big, big thing that, like, if you're doing something that's quite changeable and quite different, the 20-year-olds are easy. Do you know, they, they, they're they not embedded in anything too much. There is cultural stuff they're embedded in, but in terms of training and practice and all that stuff, they'll go with whatever's happening, If as especially if they feel they're enjoying it and especially if they feel they're actually getting better at something right? So, collecting data and presenting to the players where we're at now, right, but also presenting how I'm going to help them get somewhere and what actually, and like just real simple stuff like, you know, coordination, control, skilled action as a form of motor learning, you know, this is how we actually learn in my belief. So, why would we do isolated drills? You know, so I could say to the lads, I have no problem giving you five minutes a session or if you want to come early or afterwards to do isolated stuff if you feel that helps you. But let's understand that that helps somebody who's weak off their left side. Absolutely. There's a poor coordinative uh, system there from that point of view. Okay. So a bit of kicking off the wall or whatever the case might be will bring you to a decent level. But you are only learning in the game. Really. So, and then I have to attach and maybe tell them straight out. Now, I would have done this to a certain degree on a more casual basis, session to session or early doors. Like, I want you to make mistakes. I want you. Don't be afraid of it. They didn't believe me for a long time. Like, they didn't believe me, you know. So, I understand that. But I think I actually need to almost do a very watered down presentation of my decision making course to the team I'm working with. As simple as humanly possible. But... 100%. 100%,
0: yeah. You know,
1: so I think that sets you up a little bit better. And here's the data, that Maybe have a one, two, four meeting or wherever where they're giving me the data. Like, what did we not do? Because I'm talking to a senior hurling team at the moment. And, you know, shooting is a thing. And I know that their shooting practice was largely all isolated, unopposed. Okay? So... I also know that if that way for long enough with competent players, and they have a hell of a lot of competent players, right? They're probably regressing. They're not even staying stagnant, right? So there is research out there in basketball, in particular, where repetitive, isolated practice will make competent players worse, right? In in gameplay. So, uh, so I got to present to those guys like, so we're going to try this now. So this is something you have identified as. A weakness so let's not go after it the same way you you know and you have to try and balance that with not talk too much about previous management or whatever but look let's just have a, another look at the way we're going to do this right and if you want to do a little bit of that stuff cool i'm not going to get too bothered about five or ten minutes training session but like let's do this as well and see if we can drop that down the road and uh so presenting early and taking control of that, and telling them who I am, and where I'm coming from, and why it matters, I think is going to be the key going forward.
0: It's uh, oh, it's, it's gonna help me. Sorry. Yeah, you know? yeah.
1: I don't want to portray it like everything I did was questioned or anything like that, but like you know, it's just gonna solve a few issues down the road.
0: Yeah, just more more clarity for the players. Like. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's. Um... It's for me. This is really great to hear because this is exactly where I'm at right now. So my only, my main goal with the hurling team I coached this year was just for lads to love hurling. That was it. So I, I purposely didn't do any PowerPoint presentations or. But yeah. but I I will say, that the group I'm involved with, and the some to your football lads, they're a savage group of lads. A lot of them have really good hurling intelligence, and they really did embrace the principles of play like like yeah. i I'd, I'd be very confident if you spoke to a good majority of the the lads that were on the hurling team this year and said to them what are some attack and play principles they'd be like create space and and if you said to them how do you do that they'd say width and depth yeah. and then you'd say why well, how, how do you penetrate an opposition they go support runs naming the two support runs third man off the shoulder i would yeah. say there'd be a good group of lads there that would be able to come out and say that they definitely know the defensive stuff because the amount of times we said delay deny this was deny delay yeah and well our, our our individual principles were actually press cover and swarm so what that meant was the closest player to the ball carrier presses everyone else basically marks a man to the cover and then when the when the opportunity presents itself we swarm and look to turn over so it's press cover swarm yeah and um yeah, but there. But I personally didn't do any meetings with PowerPoints because I was like, right, the first thing is get these lads to love hurling again. And the attendances for the for the training sessions. Now and again, I'm not saying this is all me hearing that, but when I took this team over, I was told that there was multiple times the year before that training sessions were cancelled due to the low turnout. Like it was like less than uh, ten. They never did train, and there was times there was only eight guys training. The lowest attendance I had all year, and this is because there was a it was a or something was on was sixteen. And the highest I had was 42 or 43. Now the 42, 43 was because we were trained with the junior team as well. Like yeah. But the average attendance for our, our own team was always in the mid to high twenties or thirties, you know. And it was like just the feedback was like lads were just loving Hurling. They were like they yeah. looked forward to Tuesday and Thursday because they were like, it's hurling. And I think as well, you probably get this too when lads actually see that there's thought and plan and organization gone into training, they appreciate that too. Like, yeah. like I, I, I was off all year, like all summer too. Cause I, uh, cause I'm in college you now. So I had all summer just waiting for college to start. So I was up a training an hour beforehand and I had all, everything set out and yeah. boys like really appreciate about that. You know what I mean? So I think that's another factor of it too. And, um, yeah, for uh-huh. me that, that but because, sorry for me just going into this, this next year, I think now the boys are ready for that PowerPoint presentation yeah. and more clarity and more about my philosophy as a coach and the principles of play. Whereas I felt though if I'd done that this year, you know what I mean, I, I need to build yeah. trust. I need to build that trust with the lads, you yeah. know as in, as in human to human level trust, not even just coach to player trust.
1: yeah. yeah, it's a good point. Just two things I picked up there first I go back to the Ten as a training, uh, secondly. But, well, like as a goal to get people loving hurling is a wonderful goal and that success in a, in a massive way. But players talk and fringe guys come back quickly if they think it's any good at all. And there's certain guys in your group, in any group, that like the organization. And there's some guys who'd be purely by feel. And if they hear because they trust their mate, who's good for understanding hurling training, being good, and they hear, oh, it's actually quite good, uh, they'll they'll because you'd be perceived as an S&C coach.
0: See, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, i just for the listeners. You you obviously won't see this because it's not on you, but I'm laughing and Kev smiles because I laughed. The reason I'm laughing is that you're like you're basically script like it just. Like, this is your experience as a coach, so you've been through this. I'm like, you're basically describing what happened this year. That's exactly what happened. Like, lads who were on the fringes were like, they, like, got wind. Like, lads were like, you know what? Training's actually really good. Cool. Come back for a while. And then, like, lads show up, and then the next guy, you know, these guys who are always like, I don't know if I'll go back. and they go, oh, gee, you're training savage. coming on. Yeah. And it just, it just, yeah, that's what happened. Like, lads just starting to filter back in, which is brilliant.
1: Yeah. But also, you are an SSC coach, so that scares the life out of some guys who might think it's going to be... I'm gonna get to, to gonna to become a 400 meter runner here or something, you know what I mean? Um and then there is the organizational guys who just like to see that you know management is turning up ready, telling us what we're gonna do or the training set out, and there's a purpose to it, you know. Um and I probably think that's becoming a little bit more important because of the way life is for a lot of people. They have to they have to, I suppose, a lot of time and then probably a little bit more deliberate way than even when I was playing Um, to go to training to uh, this might come across as sexist, but I'm sure it actually works the other way as well. You know, to keep the girlfriend happy, to make sure that, you know, I am allotting time in the week for the things that are important outside of the game as well. And all that kind of stuff, because we could easily forget that. Because we've been through the ringer a certain amount. We probably know what's important to organize our lives in that sense. Um, whereas 22-year-old probably does a 25-year-old, or maybe he's fella just finished the competency, got a new job, has a girlfriend. He's all over the place in ways, you know, but he still does want to play a bit hurling, but it does have to be like fairly ready for him. Uh, not that it's overly structured, but that somebody is there preparing. The thing about the 10 players training stuff years ago i canceled training because of that i remember one in particular i was coaching my local senior team and i remember one of the players saying i think we should train anyway and i was like oh, fuck them like the fellas aren't going to turn up and that i was wrong right in hindsight no i take nine or ten no problem
0: me, uh, me, too, me too, by the yeah. way. Me too. Yeah. I would train fucking one person, to be honest. You yeah. know I, mean? like, I, I would train any number of players. That are, I was just saying the management were saying that that happened to them, the year before. before I, yeah, I, yeah.
1: No, that's what I mean. Like, that, you know, we could play 3v3s with three fellas standing outside. 100%.
0: Like, yeah. You know? yeah. Like, when, when, I, sorry, when I heard that, and they're like, oh, if we don't get 10, we can't. I was like, man, if eight people showed up, you could do four by four. Like, what's. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think I was taking it at that time as a reflection. People not turning up as a reflection on me or not wanting to be there at
0: all. Listen, I've been there too. That, that's part of our yeah. evolution. Yeah. yeah. The, old, the older you get, you realise this has nothing got to do with me. Absolutely like, not. We're, 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 we're just facilitators. Yeah. And like, you've got to keep
1: trying to make it fun and enjoyable as well on some level. and like, that, that was a challenge with Newstone this year, to be honest, because part of what makes it great and a small pick in a small parish to be outperforming. Like, they're the only dual rural team in, our, in, sorry, in Cork next year playing the top level. The only one. And even the city teams who they're competing with, they're not really dual anymore either. Like, some of them have two or three guys who overlap. But basically, the big clubs are that are dual, as in there's a premier senior early team and a premier senior football team, are large, largely different squads you know, so this team is now playing, so it's freakish in ways, right but part of that is a hard assness, right and like it's hard to bring fun in with them sometimes, you know like I had older lads saying Kevin, can we stop the bear wrestling, or can we stop the push games, or the knee tag with the football, like what the fuck are they doing, they're not making us better you know and uh, and I would have put a, a stop to that. Right? no, there's there's other reasons for that. Yeah, it might be technically mean anything, right? It's probably not getting you stronger. But just have a look around and see how many fellas are laughing six minutes into the training session, you know. And that wasn't good enough for some of them, actually. Do you know? I, and the response ah, is that's bullshit, you know. But you know, so that cultural attitude, which is great on, in, in some ways, and and that's in a lot of places. Like you know, uh, it's you have to bring that in slowly. Uh,
0: sometimes you know, and I I've
1: learned that the hard way, where I would have brought too much in of the way I like to do things. Yeah, if that makes sense, that make sense you
0: know. It, it's funny you mentioned earlier on that the fact that you know, I was an s c coach coming in as the hurling coach this year or or the perception is, you know, Robbie, his background is in S&C and now he's coming over as a hurling coach. Uh, the, uh, you know, the, and because it was lads that, that I coached this year who who I had previously as an s c coach. Yeah. So, and obviously, you know, being the s coach, I was doing all the dynamic warm-ups, all the speed work, the agility work, and obviously all the, the resistance training work within the weight room, you know, the typical stuff you do as a physical preparation coach, S&C coach, whatever you want to call it nowadays, it's athletic development, which probably is a better title. Uh, how that tightly evolved S&C to physical preparation to life development. So anyway, but uh, the one I never liked is performance enhancement coach because I always just think about sex coach, share performance enhancement coach. <laughs> but uh, and I can't help anyone out in that. Just in case anyone knows. Um, uh, but I but, know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know a guy or or a girl. Um, yeah. But th- it's very funny you do mention that too because I deliberately de- deliberately did not do any quote-unquote snc type stuff with this team this year but i i mean kev we, we did no general warm-ups this year never once yeah. we straight away went into hurling and actually so at the start of the year we just went into hurling as in like just some like hurling drills but then actually i started going straight into games like straight into a game because a game gets people engaged now listen yeah. you could do you could do a game and then hop out and do some general warm-up but i did like yes. zero warm-up and a few of the guys are like because I was really like the real exos coach, as in, like, we do our dynamic one, we do all our landing drills and our hip turns. Like, I was real into all that. Yeah. But I just knew from experience, and I'm this is purely arbitrary, no data, no, this is a subjective, but at least 80%, or we'll just use the word majority, the majority of players fucking hate that stuff. Yeah, like the, the like you know the slow and like, like oh and they never do it right and they hate it and it's and it then it kind of eats into the session that it takes like ten more minutes to get the session going. Yeah. Whereas when you start with a the game, they're like, "What we?" Like, like, they were almost like they, they were like they were shocked. They were like, "You mean we can just start hurling?" And I was like, "Yes, it's okay to just start hurling." Like their yeah. whole like because they nearly got to thing that a warm pass with just boring general passive stuff and okay sometimes we do some ball work to kind of like distract us from doing the stretch and I was like there actually is no evidence to say you have to do any of that shit for a warm-up. Like, yeah. all, all all, you have to achieve for warm-up is get your core body temperature up. And, yeah. then, and then, like, the three main things between a warm-up is body temperature up, get symp- get your sympathetic nervous system aroused, and that's just going to naturally happen from just moving around. And then get prepared for the activity you're about to engage in, which is hurling. So how about we just do hurling? But yeah. there, was one, there was one guy on the team just going back to, like, saying that, so, okay, some players do like that. One guy, I got this feedback from our vice-captain, and he was saying that because the majority of players fucking love that. They were like, oh, we love, we just go into hurling and love that. And uh, and that just came from the S&C experience. I was like, I just know from the c coach, lads hate that. It, it disengages them. So I was like, let's just, and again, going back to my whole goal here, just love hurling. All right, let's just start playing. How do we do a game? Like, Yay. But one guy was like, I can't believe he says to our vice captain, he goes, I can't believe he doesn't do any warm up. And our vice captain goes, I fucking love he doesn't do that shit. I hate it. And he goes to the player, he goes, listen, if you want to do a warm up like that, come 50 minutes early and do it. Going back to your point of like lads, going, can we do some like isolated drills with lads? are yeah. like, welcome to do that. Five, you know, five minutes beforehand, do that. So the same with me in regards to warm-ups. I was like lads, if there's anyone here that wants to do dynamic warm-ups? You come ten minutes early, do it. I've not problem with it. But when it's seven o'clock, we're going hurling. <laughs> like and just the lads, it was just. I think you just wanted you would have loved to do. Like they were just like as if like, you like you mean we don't have to. It's like they're so yeah. conditioned that like we have to just boring ten minutes. And I was like, no, you don't. You don't, Smith. We can yeah. just go hurling. Yeah. That's great to hear, but also,
1: uh, what was I thinking there? Yeah, the, how you get pinned in as a coach too sometimes, because A, and not, not the team I'm speaking to at the moment, but A, another senior hurling team came to me a couple of weeks ago, and, and it was initially was SSC, right? So I was entertaining, the uh, challenge them, you know, whatever. And I think he said, the hurling coach job is not finished yet. So I said, well, I'll do it. Um, and this guy would have been aware of my success last year and, and a good bit of my history. And he was like, okay, I'll float it. Uh, now, these guys, like, they did come to me and say, because they had maybe a less than stellar year last year. Or what they believed right you know we need a big name we need a big name coach we feel we can drive it on to the next level so yeah i was like Grand, yeah, whatever i have a chat with the lads and he came back to me and he said look i don't think it's a runner like they're worried about your hurling experience so it's like like that you've never won something with hurling right Uh, No, for me, in a way, that's ludicrous, but I'm not there thinking and coming from their perspective, you know, Um, and I found out just in the last 24 hours that they found a hurling coach who's an ex-county player who has never coached.
0: Like, but so, it's a, but, it, but it's a big name. It's funny when he said we want a big name. You said, you know, I can just what you want me to call myself Kevin Richard Mulcahy. Yeah, yeah. I can I can make it bigger. Yeah.
1: Uh, and look, you do have to accept to a certain degree that player gravitas. Again, uh, you it, know, I get it. a player, um, and it is a unique experience if you have played a pro back or you know played a big game. So it is valuable. Don't get me wrong. Um, I think it's way overvalued, but yet, and I would have said this to you before, one of the best coaches, if not the best GA coach I know, actually is an all-earned senior early medal winner, you know. So he's coming from both uh, experiences and qualifications and uh, a willingness to learn and explore and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't preclude anyone from it, but, like, experiences, you know, it might work, but I don't. will, to be honest. Yeah
0: yeah listen we'll um we'll wrap it there for today but we, yeah uh, listen as i like a we could absolutely just go for hours here and and again depending on, on what your schedule is like because i know once once kind of january hits around for both of us anyway because i i actually didn't say this too i'm actually have been made now d head coach at the hurling team so like i'm the oh yeah i'm the the manager now but even though i don't I prefer coach, head coach. Like, whereas I, even though last year I was the head coach in that I took all the sessions, I was the coach, but there was a manager there. But now I'm stepping into that role as well. So, okay. I've just, just yeah, I just put the manager team in place. We're actually getting ratified hopefully tomorrow anyway. And uh, so, yeah, it's a good time to be
1: involved in hurling in your club at the moment, though.
0: Like, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, sure. With the success of the seniors and and a lot of those those senior lads were involved with our team this year because the way it works is. You know that that senior squad because it's so strong too. And it's quite yeah. a big squad. Like the lads who don't make that twenty fourth team would come down to our, our our squad then for the championship and play with us. Like you know, oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, I yeah. I would know a good five or six and really well. And I it's it's great to be. It's obviously great to be from the at the moment that the club is thriving. Like I mean, it's a huge yeah. mass, massive club. Mass literally just yesterday they put out a survey to the to the club members. And, you know, like it's about where do you want the Fina to be in twenty twenty eight. So like you know, kind of like a. A five-year sort of look into the future, and like the club at the moment, is four thousand members. Kev, yeah, yeah, four thousand. I mean, it's 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 a monster of a club. Like and it's it's amazing. But no, it's great. It's exciting. And uh listen, uh, it, hopefully we can maybe get on one or two more calls before the new year because I know both our schedules will be jam packed. But yeah, uh, and and if you want them to be podcasts like this, absolutely. But for the listeners, um, definitely plug your Twitter. Uh and just just so people know, uh, and this is just me, but you can laugh at this and you can even you can even correct me or scold me on this. Kev's Twitter is amazing, but Kev comes across, you know, a little bit angry sometimes on Twitter, but he's a sweetheart. <laughs> he's a sweetheart. His heart is in the right place. <laughs> So but definitely uh, <laughs> Yeah, there's, I love, there's the way you, I love the way you folded your arms there like yeah, Yeah somebody. defensively, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, just plug, plug 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 your social medias and if anyone yeah. does want to contact you directly. There, there's definitely an
1: undiagnosed ADHD
0: or something. Uh, lot, I have, I have <laughs> yeah, I have ADHD, there's some element uh, of it too. Like yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, Twitter slash mobile coach KM is the Twitter handle uh pretty much you like that has links to everything else really i don't think people need anything else it's the one i use mostly to and i use instagram to share videos and whatnot but uh instagram is probably more sc stuff where uh, twitter is more coaching in general let's say yeah
0: and uh you you recently um have put out a number of courses over the last 12 months so maybe just plug those as well because i've heard heard really great feedback from people who have taken them
1: Yeah, I did a decision-making in-sport course pre-Christmas. And I suppose the other big one I did was last year, at the same time of the year, was a practice design course. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, And they went well and were well-received. And I'm trying to put something together now as well, basically combining the both of them, uh, tidy them up a little bit, and bring it on the road a bit so that I could do a condensed version to help in a theory and practical setting in a club uh for clubs there has been some inquiries along that so i said look there's an opportunity to develop this a bit more in clubs and people individuals in the clubs are interested in this yeah, yeah. um uh, so yeah i did that course that will be available for people to actually buy uh retrospectively anyway when i have tidied it up and edited it and all that right Great. Great. Uh, but i'm actually going to bring that course on the road if people are interested in that i'm doing Brilliant. one in tipperary soon possibly doing one in dublin um uh, you know just a practical and theory based i'm trying to tell you up, you know, keep it to three hours or something like that and then overall get a team in show them what i mean practically yeah, uh, yeah about how we can develop better decision makers and how we would design practice to do that
0: Definitely. Josiah, that'd be something that I'd talk to you afterwards, get you up to Nafina. and Niall Cooper who's our head of coach, and he'd, he'd love to maybe get a dialogue with you about doing something there. Yeah, um, yeah. Sorry. And one last thing. And and if you listen, if you don't think of, any, of an exhaustive list right now or an extensive list, you can send it to me afterwards. i put in the show notes, but I should have asked this earlier. But I suppose because our conversation was going so well, I, it only popped right now. If a young coach came to you now and just asked for some resources to go research, what would you recommend? It could be any, it could be books, courses. Uh, videos, whatever, whatever, online sources, whatever?
1: Yeah, so from a physical development side of view, right? Most people are going to do formal qualifications or formal study, right? That's fine and important. The, the people like Jeremy Frisch, you know, just will change. Your, so if you could look at somebody like that, while you're doing the more formal linear type stuff, uh, which does sell SC and physical preparation and whatever in a quite a linear gym-based fashion, right? I know it's emerging uh, or evolving, I should say. So Jeremy Frisch and anyone like that that is showing you what movement and how kids learn, and you know, that you can have fun with developing movement skills, that would be the first thing I would go to, right? Right. Uh, I, I
0: actually I, I was in his facility in twenty fifteen. Yeah. yeah, I went it's to in his Massachusetts, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So when yeah, I was yeah. up when I was working at Boyle's, I went over and visited him. Great yeah, Guy. Yeah, 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 great guy.
1: Yeah. So that'll be the first thing. The second thing, emergence. And I think you know the guys there. If you're interested John Miska? Yeah. Yeah. If you're interested in skill acquisition, I did the Origins course. Um uh, I think it's quite good. It's relatively soft entry to the skill acquisition. They give you some real examples. They give you videos of working with kids on movement skills and stuff. But um, I think it goes beyond that in terms of um, learning a a little bit deeper about what movement means and problem solving and why that is really what skill is. Um, I think that emergence group emergence.com isn't it uh, those guys anyway uh is worth looking at their courses but even just following their stuff uh A- altus
0: yeah sp-
1: sprinting you know anything to do with athletic development that even the coaching from dan path is i was reading an email this morning from him there's loads and loads of good stuff they do courses as well uh uh, yeah and from the skill coaching point of view I would stand beside some of my stuff my own, the practice yeah. design course yeah. I, yeah. I, I got other people in on that that were more experienced like Owen Mooney uh, the guys from GA Game Sense the Gavin the Lavins from Limerick who uh, and Michael Gerard-Darty mm. if, if you're into the particularly working with kids his stuff is amazing um i should have mentioned him actually independently but the ga ga game sense guys if you just want games and ideas they have an app which is really really good yeah yeah uh and then Owen mooney and the i coach kids stuff so Owen is connected with i coach kids he works for wga as well Uh, and all three of those were on the practice design course that i designed right um and as individuals, Michael George stuff is so in- innovative and just so engaging with kids. Like, it's right. just off the charts good. Uh, and it's getting football and hurling heavy as well, you know. Brilliant. So it really helps with that stuff. So, yeah, there's loads there, I think. That'd yeah, be- that's
0: that's a great starting place. Great starting yeah. place. Appreciate that, Kevin. Listen, this has been absolutely amazing. Um, I'll take away the offline yeah um, so listen definitely you'll definitely be on in the future and we'll have because we've got so much more to talk about we can get more into nitty-gritty with like principles of play stuff and maybe yeah. certain like uh you know if you're like case studies and like you know here was a situation with a team and here's what we tried out and here was the end result i know we, we kind of got into a bit of that too when you're talking about sort of tracking kpis over time today but yeah. listen that was brilliant great to talk to you um listeners have your details all that will be in the show notes for anyone listening so they can just head over to the the podcast website and if you can click there and get all kev's details but for everyone listening until next time take care be well and stay strong
1: thanks robbie